Welcome to this episode on the Health and Happiness Show, where it's my mission to change your mindset so that you can live a healthy and happier life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Let's go. Welcome to this episode on the Health and Happiness Show, where it's my mission to change your mindset so that you can live a healthy and happier life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Let's go. Hey guys, it's Ollie here and welcome back to another episode on the Health and Happiness Show. Today we are joined by an incredibly inspiring guest. In September 2003, this man's life changed forever when at the age of 23, he was convicted for manslaughter after one punch blow that took the life of another man. After serving his sentence in prison and being released in 2008, this man has since dedicated his time to turning his life around. Today, he is the owner of LS Results, an elite personal trainer and gym owner, creator of LS Mills, and has established himself now as a proficient motivational speaker. The story of how this man has turned his life around and how he's now on a mission to give him back to changing and saving people's lives through health and fitness is what inspired me to invite this man onto the show today. It is therefore with great pleasure and excitement that I welcome and introduce to the show, Ryan Quinn. Ryan, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Ollie. How are you? Mate, I'm very, very good. Now, look, I want to dive deep into going back in time, um, and I appreciate this is a raw and sensitive uh, question, but I want to take you back to that moment, that moment that everything changed. What happened, and how did you immediately feel during that period? Um, tell me. Yeah. Uh. I, I I was actually 21 when it happened. I was so um, I wasn't in prison when I was 23. Um, what happened? I have I've spoken about this before on a it was a RTE interview. So it is it is um, it is live and it is on Google search. Anyone that wants to really talk about that, but you know there is sensitive parts in this in this when we have this interview here that to me, are still raw and out of um, respect to the, to the, to the fellas uh, at Finbar. But I, I, have, I, I actually now can, can see his name, you know. It took a long time for me to even be privileged to see his name, you know, in, in public. Um, and it, it, it sounds, maybe sounds weird to others, but um, there is a massive respect there, you know, for Finbar. Um, if he was living today, the there's no doubt me and him knocking about. He'd likely be in the gym and things like that. So, look, we're going too deep in it and, uh, you know, waking and, what did you say, uh, sleeping dogs. My biggest memory, there's two memories. One I'm not sure, but the one is, the one I will share, the one when I knew when reality hit was whenever I seen, you see it in movies, a white tent, you know, when I seen that, I knew, you know, I knew that life, life, life changed for me. Now, whether I was going to be still here today, 17 years later, uh, in September, I had some, I had a lot of hills to climb, you know, um, and in respect to, to the, the family, they're still climbing that hill, you know. It's a, you know yourself, it's a very touchy subject, but some of them will listen in here. I... And I will say it on here, I do be in contact with um, his brother, his only brother. And the mindset that guy has now is unbelievable. The changes he's made, 
you know, it's unbelievable. So like, back in, a 21 year old, um, running about, uh, I was in my fitness back then, um, and to be honest with you, back then it was, it, it's not like it is now, you know, um, it's far more high tag now back then, um, but, just as a young lad running about, um, Tyrone were about to play in the All-Ireland Final two days later. Um, I had friends playing then, just getting ready for the big weekend, and um, it, it didn't happen, you know. Um, I ended up in, uh, in a prison, in a, a cell um, for seven days back then, like, and I was, I was 21, like, so I was only, I was only a kid. What you went know? through your head at that moment? <laughs> Honestly? Um, loads and loads of thoughts. There was suicidal thoughts. Um, there was waking up, like it was falling out of sleep. Um, whenever when I was in the in the um, in the, the police barracks, I was falling uh, out of sleep and waking up. And like, honestly, you never hear people saying, oh, um, "I wish I was dreaming." I mean, I wish I was dreaming. That's how bad this was. I mean, wearing like uh, they would have put a they took, took my clothes and all that time and they put um, paper boiler suit on me. And was, they were constantly changing it because of the sweat kept, you know, it just was, it was uh, the, the amount of stress that I was going through. You know, and again, I always go back to those people going through a lot more stress there than me, you know, because um, they had lost someone. Um, so it, it was, it was crazy. There's like, it's, it's, I would never want to see like this. I see it now, young fellas going out and getting into fights, stuff like that there. And, both sides, my side and their side, I would never, ever want to see anybody go through this again. And it will, it will happen again. It's happening. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, um, if, you, if the mindset, if the mindset's right, if I had the mindset I have now, it never would happen, you know? So, so tell us about that. We'll, we'll, we'll carry on a little bit, you know, in terms of, I want to touch into the prison life, but just before we get into that, tell us a little about what have you acquired now in terms of your mindset, looking back, and it's almost as, as if, if you could tell your, your 21 year old self, but then like, what are those mindset lessons you have learned throughout that 17 year period? So many. First one, never hold a grudge. Never. Never ever hold a grudge, whether you fall out with someone, be it business, be it uh, anything, boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, sort it out there and then, all right? It's very easy done. Sit down, have a chat. If you can't sort it out, it's a very easy thing to do. Hit block. Just hit block, move on with your life. That's one of the biggest mindset things, and it took me, to, I didn't learn it then. It took me, you know, even the recent years to learn that. It's never to hold a grudge, you know. Accepting an apology and giving an apology is, are, are, I say, two of the best punches you could throw, or one of the best punches, you know, is just saying sorry and accepting it, or vice versa. Um, you know, so like even in business, if things don't work out. You know, it's, you know, there's always, there's always, there's always, there's always an hour later. You know, everybody says there's always tomorrow. There's always an hour later. You know, um, so that that's one of you know the the most biggest ma mindset things I took out of it is never hold grudges. You know, just um, uh, 
forgiven, change of heart, um, things they got, two different kind of things. If we, ever, if we talk on here, I can go into that. Is there's two things, you've forgiven somebody and then there's a change of heart, you know. Sometimes you just can't forgive something, but you can't change your heart, you know. So, yeah, that would be the biggest thing back then. That um, And uh, control alcohol would be a massive one. Um, control the amount of alcohol you take in. Um, is it for you or isn't it for you, you know? Um, but they would be two massive things there. And alcohol would be another thing I would, I would uh, definitely, any young person in here watching me, because I know there will be, is, uh, you know, you're not. You're not tough. You're not. You're not. You're not. You don't. You, you don't stand out. You, you don't. You, you know. If you're you're taking alcohol, you know. Um, there's a person in there. There was a person in me, and that alcohol. I do have a drink now. Uh, I'm actually one of the worst people for drink ever. But it just gives me anxiety the next day I wake up. But um, alcohol, drugs, those things there. Don't. 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 Don't make you stand out any better than, than your friend or somebody else's at it, you know. So, yeah, um, definitely don't hold a grudge. Uh, just control your alcohol intake. I think that's powerful. Look, I've been myself, in obviously, in different contexts, but, you know, holding a grudge is toxic. It's a, it's a toxic emotion. It's a toxic feeling, and it holds you back, I think, emotionally and spiritually in life. Let's dive deep into prison life, because I can tell you this first and foremost. I don't think I'll survive right? Like just, I don't think I'd get through prison. The actual thought of it scares the hell out of me, um, which is probably why I try and be a good boy and as sensible as possible. Um, but talk to me about that because I think to get through, like serving a sentence, that's a different subject, but getting through prison life with mindset is another subject. And that's what I want to dive deep into. How did you get through that mentally? Not only in terms of the duration of the sentence, but the why you're in there, and then also the actual environment of prison. My first, my first memory of prison was, it was, I was in a cell, and this is, this is going to be on remand now, I was only 21. Um, I, was in, I was in remand, and I was up for, uh, get bail, all right? So I had to go to video link. And the night before, um, the night before I was to go up for video link, there was a fella sharing the shell with me. And he basically said to me, and this is, like, we'll go raw here. Like, he said to me, if uh, I don't get video link in the morning and uh, bail, I'm going to cut my wrist. I says, that's my kid. Like, I says, right, no problem. I got called for video link, went down, didn't go for it because... Um, there was funeral arrangements and stuff were happening so we respected that and I said right I'm going to have to stay here an hour another while it'd be an hour a week or so and I come back up and the fella done what he said he was going to do the night before you know, and I witnessed that um, you know that, that was the start of, of uh, prison pr a prison life for me seeing someone that who was mentally broke you know, not only was I but I wasn't at that point, you know. So, you know, it's seeing someone whose mental state was worse off than your own, you know. And I, I witnessed that, and I was a very, I was very young, seeing the blood and you know things like that. Um, and I hope any young one is listening here. This, you know, 
changes their mind on you know, things to do this weekend, the following weekend, or they fell out with anybody online, or you know, someone's giving them a hard time, you know, you know, just let it go, you know, move on, get help, you know, from authorities, things like that, don't take it into your hands, you know. So that was my first that was me on remand. Um, my first um, my first day in basically prison life that happened to me. Um, about a week later then I got I got released on on uh, on bail. Now I had very strict bail commissions. It was like curfews from I think it was eight in the morning to six in the evening. I had a sign in the barracks three times a week at a certain time. I wasn't allowed into the local towns, I wasn't allowed into restaurants, I wasn't allowed into um, just basically everything. I was allowed to go to work and come home, even football training. I couldn't go to football training because it was a curfew, a six o'clock curfew. So, you know, it was tough at the time, but as I say, looking back now, it built a mindset that I have today. You know, I'm not saying I've got a bulletproof one, but you know, sometimes I can get in a, I can get in a wee bit of quicksand, but I know through times like that, I can I can get myself back out of it. So that 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 continued for about two and a half years. Um, I was on those conditions. Um, anything in that time kind of happened? No, just it was basically I spent a lot of time on my own, spent a lot of time at home, um, and then finally uh, that day come that I had to uh, I had to say goodbye to me to my family for a while, all right, not forever, for a while. Um, so I'm always very respectful of, you know, what I, what I, I still a, a life ahead of me. Um, packed the bike the night before. Um, I remember walking, uh, parked the car. Or, do you mind, I know a few of people, who, it was called in shops. That's where you used to park, you know Belfast, it was called in shops back then. And it was basically, you could park your car there, and I walked over towards the court. But I walked past this big, massive hole in the ground. And I said to my dad, I says, Daddy, what's that big hole for? Like, I, then I, was only, I was only a couple. Like, I was 22, 23. Like, I still am 40 next year. So I look at myself. I look at it 22, 23 years. really young. Like, you know, I, now I lost all them years, but I got the rest of the years back. I always have to be respectful of what I say here, you know, because you know, I'm still living a life. And I looked down to the ground, and my father says, "Aye, they're building a shopping centre there." I says, "Right, there's no problem." And then through the front doors, you see the doors. You always see that lagging side court, and that was the last I seen, you know, outside for two years. Now, when I got out two years later, do you know it was in that hole? What? Victoria, Victoria Square. No way. Victoria Square was tough. Yeah, it was a big hole right down to the ground. And I, I didn't know what they were doing. It was just all muck and all. It was all dug up. And I and I came out and Victoria Square was built. Um, then I, I went in that court that day and, um, you know, it was a very emotional day. Um, it was a day for everybody, both sides, you know. And I made the local priest there. And he done a, he done a, like a, what do you say, uh, got up and spoke about me and, you know, what he knew about me and things like that. And then the judge gave me four years. Give me the maximum sentence that time. It's higher now. Give me the maximum sentence. And that was it. They just cuffed me, took me downstairs, put me in a room. And that's when, honestly, my I, I, I started breaking. I broke down. I started hyperventilating. I was, getting, I, was thinking I was getting anxious. 
there's not much you can do. It's just a, it's, a, it's an eight by four room, uh, and you, you, I just you know suicidal thoughts. Um, four years, even though it was only two years, all that was going through my head. How am I going to do this? Sat there most of the day because that was early morning, so I had to sit there all day waiting on all the. I had to wait on all the other. Uh, so I, I I know it all now because back then I was going, why am I sitting here all day? What I was sitting all the other guys there get all their sentences and then we were all put in this call horse box into the into the you'll see their prison vans to drive up and motorway and I was put in cuffed put into one of those uh about half five again I was sentenced half ten eleven o'clock in the morning so I was there all day. Got into the horse box prison van took to McGabry prison and like you talk about you were checked in about 10 times. Imagine going to a hotel and you check yourself in. This place checks in 10 times. You're stop, check, search, stop, search, stop, search. Everybody search. It is maximum security. In there, um, and just basically up the reception, check your bags in. We'll give you so many clothes. And straight in you go into the prison. And I was actually the first day, night I was in, I was... Um, I was put in a cell with a wee fella from Scotland. Um, he was smoking the dope. I had never seen drugs in my life. Like I not hadn't even a clue. Um, he was talking a pen of nonsense. And only now that I realised, what's wrong with this man here? But he, he was high, like you know. So like um, it was a good. He offered me whatever he had, you know, uh, crisps and things he got there. Took him around my appetite wasn't that great. And then I. I was in that, that's like a committal wing. You're there for so many days and then I was switched up into the, the prison and started proper. I was put in a cell. And I mind put, put in a cell with a boy called, they called him Coco the Clown. He was from, he was from Derry. And again, he sat all night laughing and I hadn't a clue what was wrong. It was giving me so much anxiety. I was so paranoid. But again, he was high. <laughs> again, it's, this is all... It's all, you know, learning. It's all mindset. I know it's an awful way I had to, learn, I had to get, a, uh, get a mindset, you know, but all these things here, these are all things that run through my head. So, you know, once I got my head around that kind of thing, there was drugs in the, in the place and there was different things going on. I knew, you know, I had to, I had to up my game and keep myself well, well alert. I ended up getting a job in the – I got a job actually in the reception – Really, Matt, I wasn't really locked up all day. I got a job in there, um, and I was doing like cooking. And I've never cooked anything in my life. Um, you yeah, already know. <laughs> it, was a bit of, it was a bit of bacon, burnt, and I had a clue about nutrition, nothing like that. So I got that job there, and I kept getting, I kept getting the the prisoners, all the prisoners that I didn't know shit at me. Root. I had a clue what that meant. Right? Not a clue. They thought I was a sex offender. This was the next thing. So uh, it was like, there's so many crazy things happened. Because I had that good job, they thought that's who I was. That's who I was. There was a fella in the prison that time that knew me. He had worked to me and tell me, look, you need to get out of that job because you're, I think you're a sex offender. And I said, Jesus Christ. So I got out of that job and I ended up, what did I end up doing? I ended up doing it six months then. 
So this was this was the awful part of it. Like I don't bet six months up in, in McGabry Prison, which is category A. It is every single movement is um, monitored. Doesn't matter where you're going, you're monitored, right? So I done six months there, and this is the first time I was ever in a proper gym. This is the, the gym thing was like this was whenever I was in a proper gym, and I mean been in the proper gym, and I mean some of the prisoners that have seen in it that would have been notorious in, in Ulster, uh, if not the world. <laughs> I was within touch and distance of them because you were allowed in the gym kind of together. And like, I'm not going to name drop a name, but there were big names. Like, and uh, I just, at that stage there, I just said, this proper bars, proper plates. Like, um, I'd never seen anything like this before. I'd been in gyms before. Um, and there were, there were Nice, good James. Like, this was, this was, this was dog's balls, right? And I, I just knew this is where I need to be. When I was there, I was out of prison. <laughs> it was weird. As it was an escape. It was an escape, yeah. When I was in there, I was out of prison. And I mind asking for a job. And they laughed at me. See, there's not a chance. There's a, there's a list, the length of our arms of people wants this job. And you're, you're not getting it. You know, so but we'll put you on it. But then um, I got moved then down to McGilligan Prison, and then that was a that was my next next journey again. So, like, if you want to ask me any more questions, I haven't got the gym job at this stage. But if there's any more questions you want to ask me, I know I can get maybe get go on a wee bit here because it's a never-ending story. But um, if you want to ask me any more questions. Yeah, so 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 dive into the gym. You know, you so you got a job in the gym. No, no, I didn't. I didn't get it. I asked for it. Did you eventually? You did your qualifications in the gym. Yeah, I. So whenever we go out, how, how I got it. So I was moved down to down to McGilligan, and McGilligan have a like a big airport hangar. It's like I think you put an airplane in there, and they turned that into a gym. I mean, you're talking back then. That's what two thousand five. There's a you're talking pre-core, all the top, top, top stuff, indoor soccer hall. Um, and I walked in and I says to, they actually asked you what kind of a job, like, there's nothing, there's education, there's, there's joinery, there's bricky, there's anything that you want to be a teacher. If you want to get your head down and you want to come out of there or something, you can get it. Um, so I asked for the gym job. They laughed at me again, not a chance. I wrote it down as, as that's what I wanted. I don't know. I have this. I have this kind of a. I have this kind of a thing in me. I just. I at times I just don't take no for an answer. And still, I don't. I, I just don't take no for an answer. I love taking chances. Um, I am not afraid to fail. Um, I'm not one of these like, motivation speakers stuff like that. I just. I'm just too hard. Simple as that. As I say. Um, I wasn't brought up. I was dragged up. A lot of people say that I was. I was fed with a silver spoon. I actually said to someone, um, actually a gym owner in Belfast, the RD, rang me, you know him yourself. He says, well, he's still been fed with a silver spoon, but he began to get the same thing too. And I says, no, I says, I was fed with a silver knife. I says, and I licked off it. You know? <laughs> but you know, as I said, I don't know, Tim, I say, after you're fed with a silver spoon, I says, I thought he held it out, but I says, I stretched my neck out, which fired up and head off it. You know? So, I, um, I don't know if Ken lost myself or to get back in it. I remember I kept asking. Every time I went to the gym, I kept asking, I kept asking. And 
they started to like me around there. You know what I mean? There was a lot of people from Belfast in the prisons in Derry. And you had that real staunch Belfast accent, real staunch Derry accent. And the next thing you meet him, a big farmer's accent on me. Um, you know, the Nike Air Max on me. I started dressing, you know, because uh, I had it fit in, but the voice just did not fit in. So I, uh, they just what they just the, the the guys that ran the, the the guys that ran that would run the gym. They would have been um, they would have been prison officers, but they would have dressed up as they would dressed in like uh, they were dressed in a different uniform, like a, a sports uniform. But they would have done they would have went into the wings as well. They wore their, their uniform, which was funny to see. Though it's like you you'll see your client. In the gym with their gym clothes on, next thing you see them, they're already clothes on. You're not the same. <laughs> I've actually done a good job with that person. <laughs> That's the only time you get to see it. So they took a shine to me and they took a trust to me. And uh, I, now don't get me wrong, I was no angel in prison. If you can ask me any questions, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm, I'm an angel. I wasn't far from it. But I got the job in the gym. They come and ask me that I wanted it and I took it. And you know what? I was there. I was there for 18 months. And I think my gym has been that successful because I've run it like a prison gym. The exact same way as it was running there, that place, my place is running. So I'm actually in the office here. It's just next door. So that's, I took a prison approach at it. Um, and that's, that's where it all, it all began. And I worked on it for 18 months. Um, and you talk about mindset, you had a routine, you know, and, and, and you know yourself, we have a routine. And that routine is up in the morning, get your shower, get your breakfast. If you're into fasting, if you're into that, <laughs> you do that, you know. <laughs> so um, you got your breakfast. Some days we had a bite over breakfast, so you didn't into fast because you didn't into fasting all day. <laughs> so you wanted a bite. So the fighting match over, like, I mean, big kids fighting over Weedabix. So you got your breakfast, then you'd have been called for work. You went to your work, then they would have, you would have worked for about two hours. You had them up there, like, making sure everything was clean and tidy and stuff like that. Um, making sure, I was meant to make sure not having to pass through, pass through the gym, but I, I, I was maybe what, cleaning the toilets at that time. That happened because you got yourself in trouble. So, uh, you were, that was my job, job from, from the morning then. About 12 o'clock, we come down and you talk about routine. The same as us guys. Do your clients in the morning, then you come up, you knock off. It was the exact same routine. 12 o'clock, knocked off. We had like a, we, got our, we all got our dinner. The prison guards, they locked us up for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. To come back, let us out again. We done a shift again. And then they come back again and lock, locked us up for an hour, around five. And the last side again around six, and I either could go back to work, or I could have stayed down in the just in the, the prison wing and you know floated about and talked to cells and stuff like that. But I normally go back back up again, um, and then eight o'clock back down, uh, basically shouted water. Got to get your hot water, whatever you're getting, and boom, door closed. And that was you. You were a wee world of your own. You know, it's like when I go to my office here, me almost like that wee time to me. It brings me back to being in the, in, the, in the cell on my own. And like I could get so much stuff done, even though I was silly stuff, you know, sticking posters in the wall or writing a letter or, <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, 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 that kind of life, it, 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 grew, it, grew, it kind of grew the mindset I have 
now, you know, I'm not saying I have a perfect mindset. I, you know, I've been asked on the podcast and stuff before. I've, I've, nine times out of ten, I said no. Why I went on yours because I've actually followed your journey. You know, you can turn around and say to me you couldn't do a prison life, but you know, what you were handed, you know, you dealt with it. You know, you're still dealing with it. Like I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. You know, um, so. It's it's we're all dealt we're all dealt we all give something to to, to, to to deal with and you know I could have I could have give up you know I could have give up I could have took the easy way out um, many times it, 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 I'm not embarrassed to say it you know um, I did get involved in things in prison that I should have got shouldn't get involved in you know things that can mess up your head you know um, you know likes of fat burners steroids. Like I, ne- I never, people ask me, I say, I, my parents know, they all know. And those things did play a part in, in, in upsetting massively my, my mindset, you know, um, putting hormones in my body and then it maybe not getting it when it's supposed to get it again and then it going searching for it. And it's, you know, all these young boys now think, oh, if I take this or I take that, you know, that, that's, not, that's not, you know, it's not, your body is, is, is made naturally to do things when you put something else in it that that kind of takes over that part of natural and then a natural thing kind of dies down a wee bit then this it's not getting the whole body it just messes up so again any young lads listening here you know, do your research and that kind of stuff too so like I was at that at that kind of I was at them kind of things things I was I was what do I say I was very naive I was young um, I'm never going to blame myself because I had the mindset back then to say, you're, you're meant to make those decisions. You can make those decisions. You know, I let others make them decisions for me by you know, hanging around with the wrong people. Still do it on the outside. I was, I was linking up with the wrong people in there, you know. Um, I don't get me wrong, some, some unbelievable people in there too. People I learned so much from, people I'm still in contact with. Um, some of the nut cases in there too. I still, you know, I was still. Geez, I, there's a, there's a, there's a lovely part in everybody, you know. Tell me, tell me this: Did you make friendships inside? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, did I did? I'm still to this day. Yeah, and you know, I mind just not too recently there. A friend of mine was getting a hip replacement, and there's a fat in one, and I don't. I'll not tell you what replacement he was getting. <laughs> he was getting a replacement. I think it was, I think it was a knee replacement. And the first thing he says to me, he says, he's from, I said, hey man, he says, where are you from? He says, oh, I'm from, I'm from Marbo. He says, do you know a boy, Quinner? I says, hey, Quinner, he's, and they start explaining, he says, oh, you tell him, Ryan Quinn. Next thing, my phone started going. I looked and your man was ringing me from your man, our father's phone. Like, so no, and it was lovely to see him, you know, I don't know, maybe he hasn't, he hasn't, uh, his main mindset just hasn't changed. But yeah, I, I, and some, you know, even, um, you know, people in there, like I seen a man in there, he was in his 70s, I'd say he's possibly dead now, and he was way overweight. Um, he was in for something to do with tax, just something stupid, right? And he got two and a half years, but to see someone, you know, at 75, 76, overweight, not fit to clean himself, not fit to change his clothes, and I, and like, when I was 23, I started to do that, you know, for him, help him out. So, yeah, I made some 
great friends in there. Still have them this day. They'll be on my Facebook. Some of them are writing stuff and I'll have them a lot the time. You know, so, uh, and this, the, the, Kind of, kind of tell the viewers, you know, the kind of boy it was. Never, never nothing bad. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, made some great, great, great friends in there, you know. Ryan, what was the toughest time for you in prison? Was it the moment that you walked into the jail for the first time? Was it in some regards leaving uh, prison? What was that toughest time for you during during your sentence? Oh. There's a lot of tough times when I was there. Like every day was tough, you know, the stroke of the days off the calendar and things like that. But one moment that stands out for me um, was um, when I suffered um, the loss of a loved one in uh, tragic circumstances, and that was in prison. Uh, my uncle, who would be the age, would, would have been the age I am now, back then he was 38, um, he had a stammer. He was a musician. He was unreal on the on the playing the anything. Could have played anything. He was a brilliant singer, but he had a really, really, really bad stammer. You know, he, he couldn't string a conversation together. But he was so talented music wise, and uh, he took his own life. Um, when I was in there, I worked with him. Like I, I basically idolized him. You know, I have I have an uncle on each side of the family that I idolized. You know, and he was one of them. Um, and basically. Mum was down to visit me and mum hardly ever came to prison to see me because it was very difficult for her, you know, um, all the searching and you know, everything we got there. So it really, really upset her. So she, um, she, did, she didn't really come, but she came this, this day, this, this Wednesday, I'll never forget it. I think it was the 27th of May and I was due for, I was due for my paroles about two weeks later. And mummy left that day. She was so hysteric. I was actually getting a, getting a town visit. The next time that it come to see me, it was a town visit. It took me out of the prison for six hours to a local town nearby, like Limavati or something like that, and then they left me back. So mum then didn't have to come into the prison anymore. So she was so, um, she was so excited that that was the last time she had to go inside a prison. Um, and um, because mum... Uh, Back, like I've no, we've never went before me going to prison, but before that, mum would have, would have been, would have had family involved in the troubles very, very deeply, and lost loved ones, and loved ones were in prison, and she went through all that again. This was whole thing starting to come back up again, but she hated the prison. But I'm getting off the track there. But I always, anytime family came, any come to visit, I would have went in, got myself settled back in because you were seeing somebody from the outside. All right, and you see, it was, it was all, it's all an emotional. Emotional. I always hear you talking about a roller coaster. This was a emotional roller coaster when they left, and like you were, well, they were going away one way, and you were going the other. So it was like you were, it was like, I think there's that feeling you had, you know, when you see you leave someone to the airport and they're going, they're going that way, and you're going this way. I love one. So I went in, rang home about a couple of hours later, but it took it was a couple of hours drive home, and um, my younger brother, who was what age he been, um. My older brother was, he was, what's that? I was very young. He wouldn't have been, he was in his early teens, if not even. And he answered the phone and it was weird for him to answer the phone. And I says, well, uh, the mum get home okay. And he said to me, did you not hear? And I says, no. And he says, um, he says, Colm uh, had, uh, had well, he just burned it out. So he hung himself, you know, and he actually done it with the, um, sorry, my phone just bounced there. Um, he actually done it there with uh, he done it with a guitar lead. That's, that's what it was, you know. And him, 
love playing the guitar. And you know, that I know there's a, um, I, I caused uh, um, a, a, someone to lose their loved one and you know, it, it happened to me and you know, that was the toughest, toughest time in there. I, and then I, I tried to get out for the funeral and they wouldn't let me out, you know, even though I was only a week. I was, I was only a week. I was a week. I wasn't even far, a week away from getting out for town visit. Didn't get to the funeral. Um, I just remember coming. I just remember setting the phone down, walked down into the cell, closed the door. And I, I, I don't think I've cried as hard. Now I've cried since. I don't think I've, I've cried as hard in my life. You know, I, 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 I had to do that on my own, you know. I had no loved ones around. Um... You know, you didn't want to cry in front of prison mates, um, and you know, I I felt the blow of losing a loved one um, uh, in a place that I was completely helpless. Helpless, nobody can console me. You know, so um, that that would have been my toughest toughest uh, time in prison. Um, but there was many other tough times. But looking back, you know, that that and like I remember getting a card from him and all before he before just before like he, he was white like he was he didn't he didn't uh, there was no back doors on him as I say around our boat there was no back doors on him he had something to say he said it and he he sent me a card and still have it and I actually still have the card there that the guys from the, all the inmates sent me that time um his anniversary there was on the twenty seventh of May um and you know I have a few bits and pieces of his clothing as well that I still have but you know um. I actually said this to a client of mine the other day, and this was gospel. I looked at him, and this client of mine went through tough times as well, and I said to him, you know, I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad I didn't, I didn't end it, you know? Um, I didn't let the demons in my head and, you know, the anxiety, the depression, um, all those things, they were, I was close to it, you know, there's no point in me, and I don't come on social media and, and tell about it, but I was close to, you know, none of the LS wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be here, you know, um, I know people at times would have been very, very cross with me, and maybe felt better, I shouldn't have been here, but I hung in there, and you know, I said it with a great, a massive sigh of relief, I just says, thank God, up there, whoever it was, and I do always say it, I still I can say his name now, Finbar. Those him and his strengths were keeping keeping me keeping me something something was holding me up, you know. And you know that's that that was my toughest time, you know. And um, that that that's that's, that's oh, the rest of it was tough, but that was a that was a one that'll never leave me, you know. To Anyone listening that may be going through uh, a dark time themselves right now, thinking of the profound effect that losing your uncle had on you as a loved one, what would you say to anyone who's maybe struggling with a few demons right now themselves? Um, <clears throat> I would say if there's anyone, if there's anyone out there, right, that's going to wants to help you, right. They want to help you, and they have been through a lot. Or even if you know someone out there that's been through a lot, all right, and they're you would swap places with them right now, all right? Go and speak to them, all right? You may like to hear some of the things they're going to say to you, right? You may think they're they're being tough on you. You may not like it, but I know back even when I came out of prison that I had mentors even in the fitness industry that that 
I now remember the advice he gave me, even they were even they were younger than me as well, and I didn't listen. I thought, you know, so I I would reach out to someone out there and just share it with them, because always remember, a stranger can become a best friend. You know, I, I took I took help and I took advice from strangers, and I was very 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 embarrassed. I was very anxious. I was very, you know, and I took, um, I took, I accepted their hand. I accepted their advice. And as I say, I was fit to stand with a client of mine and just said to them, and a client, so friend, and said to them, you know, I'm glad I'm, I'm here today, you know, because it, it was worth it and it is worth it. And there's so many people right now going through COVID-19 that are so, so stressed out. The money issues are really tough. Everything's really tough, but just there is people out there that will help you, you know? How was it coming out? Coming out release day and because I would imagine from an outside perspective, maybe there's an element of fear in terms of judgment, in terms of was prison technically continuing on the outside world as well as the inside. How was that coming out and maybe starting again from scratch starting from rock bottom how was that my i would safely say my prison sentence didn't start like mine didn't i was only that happened when i was 21 so basically i was 21 years old i think my leg basically paused when i was 21 right and i never like i was on house arrest for two and a half years so basically never was out I went in there and I was in for now two years. That was basically nearly five years of, you know, being under the under the control of the law. When I come out, I had so many things in my head. I was going to get married. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. When I come out, I I just had I had a I wouldn't even say. A, a, it was a roller coaster. It was, and I'm not saying it, was a, it wasn't a fun roller coaster. Trust me, it wasn't fun. It was up and down, up and down. It was getting, I was partying, I was drinking, I was, you know, in and out of relationships, just meeting some, like I'll always say it, I met some great girls through that period of time. Um, I couldn't settle. Um, but I always, always kept saying I was going to open the gym. I always kept saying it. But, like, I come out, I had no help. I, look, I had depression and I had anxiety when I came out. And I hadn't a clue that I had. Never said I had it. Wouldn't never admit I had it. Um, but I had it and I didn't, didn't have a clue. Um, and it was, it was maybe, I want to say, it was. Jeez, it was six, seven years before I finally admitted there was something wrong with me, you know. But I, when I get out, I always said I was going to open a gym. I had, I'm not a clue. I got I the qualification all, got it in there. Um, never really used it. Come out, started working from afar, and I kept saying I'm going to open a gym. I kept saying to my father, I'm going to open a gym, and he said to me, "Look, son," he says, and this is the exact words he said to me. He says to me, he says, "I'm not helping you because we're in the middle of a recession." He says, where are you going to get the money? And the other thing, he said, there's no money lifting watts. It was an old boy right here calls it watts, it's weights. 
there's no money left to watch. That's what he said to me. And he tell you this day he was wrong. But I said that was 2007, 2008. The recession had hit, all right? And I had this idea in my head. So I had a, a brother of mine. He brought in seatbelt extensions, all right? For airplanes. So people are overweight. So whenever you went on the airport, the 150, he sold these extensions. Extensions. He was selling these online at this time. At that time, there was really no online shopping. And he, he was selling these online. Um, and I asked him, could he get my gym equipment? So he said, right, let me look. So he looked it up and he got me gym equipment. And the price was, it was you know, would you pay here, pay there? It's two different things. You know, everything's made in China, you know. Um, people say, said the coronavirus wouldn't last. I says, why? Well, it's because I mean, China doesn't last, you know. <laughs> you know I care somebody saying that. But, uh, it's, but I, he, 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 done the, he done the deal for me. And he got, and I still have, I still have contacts in China for gym equipment. Like I, I brought all my gym equipment basically in from China. Um, and I went for it. And I think I spent, honestly, it was like, for what I got, was was, was, was a bargain. I think I spent maybe 25, 30,000 on my first gym. And I mean, I hadn't a clue. Not a notion. I winged it. Absolutely winged it. I hadn't a notion what I was doing. But I just kept visualizing what I'd done in prison. I says, right, I'm going to mirror image it out here and see what way it goes. And it's, it, it, it worked. It worked, and I opened the gym. Now, I ordered the equipment. I'm on this journey from 2009. I, 2008, um, I says, right, I started up my premises. I'm still in the same premises. Um, 2009, I'd done the deal on the premises. Like, I mean, it was awful. Like the, the inside of the building was, I only looked at it, and I thought it was great. It was all painted and all. It was bad floor. It was, it was engineers in it before me. So I got the premises, um, and then I started to get ready. Would you talk about a slow boat <laughs> out of China? It was a slow boat out of China. That boat took about 10 months to get here. When I ordered that equipment, my was nearly cracking up. And I used to ring the brother. And my brother, he's, 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 he runs the Crumman Road um, Gold, the tourist place, and, and he runs the Picky Park. I'm getting a bit of a shout out here. And he does the aquarium. So he, he, he was, I would ring him, he's my younger brother, like, and he would send me pictures of one of them big boats that are coming over across the but then you would see the, the, the big units all falling off, and I'd say, I think that's your, your uh, thing there, that circle in it, and it's at the notion. But, do you this now, this is, this is gospel. Got the loan out of the bank, I ended up, had enough room in the gym for toilets, sheriff facilities, because it was only... It was only 1,200 square foot or something like that. So I said, right, I'm going to put a unit outside it and link it in. So I bought a, a you see the unit, you see the pictures out front. That's a, that's a toilet and share unit. It ended up costing me £6,000. That was me, busted, broke. The gym was meant to open, it was 10 months late. I, had a, I got a new van. I took a van out on... on, uh, on Finance, right? It was two hundred and ten pound a week. That's how much the van was. No, two hundred and ten pound a month. That week, square <laughs> van. It was two hundred and ten pound a week. And I looked like was I fucked here? 
sorry for my language, I say I have no money to pay for this van. My business isn't going. I'm not making any money. I'm not personal training because I was too afraid to personal train. I didn't think I was good enough. And I said, what am I going to do here? So I took a chance in November. I always remember the, 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 the gym membership, or my, my payment on the 10th of the 10th of November. And I said, no, what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the price of this van. And I was too proud to go and ask my father for it. You know what I mean? Because he told me it wasn't going to work. For me to go and say, I'm not going to need 210 pounds to pay for the van this month. He's going to say to me, look, did I tell you so? And that's, that would have been the kind of thing, like, you know, even though I love him, but he's, he's, he's basically my idol. Like. I put it on Facebook. And I'd say you didn't even have Facebook at this time. You didn't know what it was. I put it on Facebook. I wrote up. I says, right, um, taking so many members' names now will be opening soon. And 22 people have given me 1999 and I covered my van payment. And thank God the lorry landed on the 16th of November. No, I'm, I'm lying. The four days later, the 14th of November, it landed. And a pair of my mates come down. I'll never forget them. And they come and we built it. I oh, we built it back to front. It was built everywhere. <laughs> there was people with chests on their backs. We were built it that badly. <laughs> <laughs> we built the machines and it opened on the 16th of November but we didn't officially open it till December we were on it for a month and it officially opened on the I think it was the 16th of December but a month later we opened it with an official opening and I'll tell you who was there that night Mickey Hart was there I don't know if you ever heard of Mickey Hart um, he'd be the throne Gillick a senior football manager his daughter lost her life in Mauritius on her honeymoon. That's about, that was about a week later after that. I'll never forget it. That was back in 2000, 2010. Uh, Michaela Hart, if you, if you Google it, you'll see it. Like, and he was there that night. I remember him opening. There was a couple of other ones there that night that opened the gym. And that was, that was it opened. That, that, was it. that was me in business. In business. So I can see the sign behind you today. Yeah. Are you proud? Yes, I am. Today I am because I tell you why. I never will go on podcasts. Um, I would never go on things like that because I never felt. I never. I never. You know, I looked at people in the industry years ago, even ones who are younger than me, and I never thought I could hold my own in a room with them. You know, but I know now I can go to a room with anybody. Anybody. Like, I have multi-millionaires. I train. I have people. Just goodbye, I train. I've got people that are middle of the road and I don't look at anybody any different. I don't care if you've a pound in your pocket or you've a million in your pocket. See, as long as you have a bit of honours and you don't judge anybody and you don't listen to bullshit, um, you know, you're, you're, you're my team, like, you know? You're my team. So, like this here, this is like 210 I opened LS results are both. 214, 15 opened LS Cookstown. Two, no, sorry, 214, 215 LS Dungiven. It was one up in the given. 215, 216 LS Cookstown, one. 217, 218 LS Cookstown, two. I opened four of them inside, what was that, eight years. Um, and they're all still running. Bar one, you know, and I will say on here, and anybody this is, you know, the one in Cookstown, the second one, was doing great. 
I, I pulled out of it, right? Because I just, I wasn't putting enough time into my own. But the second one, the fella that owned it got, got him in serious trouble with the police for, for um, something he shouldn't have been at, you know? Um, it was, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it, but, you know, if, it was nothing to do with me. And I got out in time, but it was, it was to do with, uh, it was um, sex offender, all right? Young, young, thirteen-year-old, uh, something to do with the police and stuff like that. There, so like, and a man, Matt, no, I would love that the stage come on social media and say this is what happened, you know, because I didn't want to look as a failure. And there's so many people love that gym, and you know, the gym is a place you go to to, you know, just I just fell in the wrong person, as I say, I didn't, I didn't know. So that that hurt me. That uh, hurt me, don't because and I actually tried to buy, I actually tried to buy the gym back, um, and I had it almost bought, but um, it just it, it didn't fall it fell through their side, um, so I nearly had it bought back through the fellow's father, um, because I wanted to, I wanted to see people back in that gym. It was never I used to be a person who wanted to win, right? So person who wants to win is is a person who wants to be a jack of all trades. Right? and a master or none. So you want to have the most gyms, you want to have the most personal trainers, you want to be the best, this, the best, that, but and you were never thinking, you never had a business brain in you, you weren't like thinking like, no, this is a business item, it's not a competition item. And I see that this now with people, they, they run the business as a competition, they want to be the best, the best, the best, the best, whereas, you know, I was one of those people, and once I realized how to run a business properly, then I, life become a lot a lot, a lot uh, easier. So yeah, go back to that on un unreal. You know, to see LS results, which is the gym, LS online, which is, you know, online training. If I want the online training, I can get it, right? No problem. If I want it, I just love training people one to one. You know what I mean? I love that. The only thing I don't like with my gym is I'm training people one to one, and there's people who want to talk to me. So I'm training you all, you're paying me, and then someone tapping my shoulder. I'm, it frustrates me. So this lockdown has kind of learned me what I need to do going forward with that, through that stops, you know, because I don't like them. I'm, I, I can't multitask. Oh, so I'm one thing, that's it. Um, so like online has been unbelievable. You know, I took uh, Martin Booth on last year um, in August. Man has... This is the thing about people, right, on trainers. They're afraid, and I was one of them, to invest their money in someone to help. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of clients out there. There's plenty of people out there that, that'll, that'll just mess up you. Now, I don't know. I just see them on a seat like yourself. I just, I just know genuine people want to see them because I've fucking enough assholes around me too. I've been an asshole myself. But... I just, I said, I'm going for this. And I went for it. I said, you know, people say, right, you're going to invest 10 grand somebody, right? <laughs> it multiplies when you do it, right? When you do it and you have a structure and you know what you want to do. And as I say, don't be a jack of all trades. I may end up on a website, right? I sell living out, everything, clothing, <laughs> things that I didn't need to. You know, you just, but I took, when I took Martin on last August, see my online business, only for it. Honestly, only for it. I'd be struggling today. You know, it, it, is, it has given me, I can work with anybody. 
anywhere in the world and say, that's, oh, that was LS Online. We, I opened that about three years ago, nearly four years ago. And uh, I then was in the meals. Meals, it, where did it come? You know yourself, you've prepped before. You don't have a photo shoot. And you're eating those prep meals. And they're smelling, and they're out of date, and they're just soggy, and they're just, you know. I was approached by a food, food company, right? Family. I just knew they're just their workers. They're unbelievable workers. And the, I did, I, as I say, back in the day, I was the social media man. Every man said to me, you got social media, you're, you're, you're a scunder, blah, blah, blah. And the people that are saying that are making, to me, that, at that time, never. They don't have every time I switch it on and on. No. But I still kept going. If my social media is quiet. My business is quiet. So they come to me and ask me, could they, they sell something at the gym here? And I says, no problem. And that's when they started up. That's eight years ago. So they come to me about 10, I actually looked at the message there. I'm actually going to screenshot it someday and put it up. And they asked me, he says, look, we have a business proposal for you here. Uh, proposal. And it says, would you go with it? And I looked at it. And a really good friend of mine, Shirley, um, I know you know yourself, you know, I'd say I could, I would be kind of online here or something like that, maybe scare women. You know the way I get on at times. So I needed a woman's touch. So I said, look, will you try these food? If it's stinking, well, forget about it if you like it. Well, she said, Charlie owns a company called Marcon. They do all the, the fit-outs for um, McDonald's. and, and They don't all the shop fit-outs in Victoria Square. And me walking up and down into the whole that time. So I took her on board with me uh, on the meals. And to, to, you know, I solely own the meals and online and all myself. Um, but she's a really good friend of mine, and I love her input in it. And she runs her own wee business there as well, um, uh, SB Fit. She's a serious amount of ladies on the minute. Brilliant, brilliant um, female personal trainer, all online, not really on the floor. So she come down and she's at all the best restaurants. What do you call your boy? He does the salt boy. She's at his, she's at with him, she's at everywhere, but all over the world. And like she doesn't eat rubbish. And she tried the meals and loves them. And she's, she loves their stews. So that kind of got people into believing them. So like, I've got, I actually two orders today. Uh, Stuart Dallas. Uh, Stuart Dallas, Leeds United. And I need, give me two seconds, because it's not even right that I can't remember this name. Uh, let's see, I'll give you this name now. This is how bad. I should actually know this. I should actually know this, but, um, Liam Cooper. He's the Leeds United captain. So the two orders come in today. And like, then these boys pay for these. You know, I'm not into giving things out for free, you know. Um, so that was the that, that was the LS meals. So we got them, tasted them, they're unreal. I meet them now 12 weeks and I swear to God, see they're stinking. I wouldn't I wouldn't eat them, right? They're, I wouldn't promote them. They're so, so, so good. And like I was down there yesterday, I put up my Instagram and all in, the, in my story of me in, in where they've been made. Because a lot of these people are, and I'm not, not all of them, but a lot of people are selling meals, right? They're bringing them in from all different countries. They're putting their, their logo on them. They're sending them out. And that, to me, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't. I could not do that. I, I need to know where they're made. You know, I have to be straight. You know, if you're going to earn a pound, earn an honest pound. All right? If you're going to earn, 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 earn it honestly, you know, and spend it honestly, you know. So that's, that's where the three businesses come out of. What are, what are we going to do next? I don't know. I don't. I, just, I was watching a... I watched the podcast last week and I don't watch too many. I was actually listening to yours yesterday the whole way to 
New, no, uh, uh, Carlingford. I did, I actually did. I actually was listening to you and I was taking, listen to that man's voice. It's so professional. And I'm going to go on with this big voice of mine. Voice is fucking, and they have to just do that. He can scrap the interview or he can, whatever he does. But I was listening, I know, and um, I was listening to an interview of John Boyle. I know if you've seen, seen it, or not, he's a, his company's worth over two billion, and he's Market Hill and Armagh. He owns Boyle Sports, and I listened to his. I don't know if you if you go onto my Facebook page, you'll see it, right? And there's a boy, Mark McCluskey, who's who's um, interviewing him. I met Mark coming here. I I actually won ran one of Phil Graham's first ever. It's actually the things up there. You can't really see it. Pretty hard for me. But I still have the big uh, poster up there on the wall. And actually, Phil is actually uh, Phil is actually. Uh, Signed it, um, and when it was 29th and 11th, 2014, and we, we, had a, we had a seminar here, and um, there was 86 people come to it, like in, in 2014, and still, like, it's un, un, unbelievable the way it worked. Uh, and we got we sold it. But Mark came in, and I mean, Mark came in, and I think he was, he was dying that day. And he had a couple of protein bars because I, I had a, a performance nutrition here, and he was, I, I got shoes, this, this man, man, here. And uh, I always said it every time I seen him at, and I said, you know, this man's nuts. But he now is a mindset coach. And I've been watching his stuff now. It took me wrong. It took me a wee while to actually take him serious. I was told that to himself. Like, I'm just fucking, you know, the way it is. It's, that's just the way I am. And he's doing, he, won, he done one two weeks ago with Brian McGee, the boxer. He was McGee Fitness. And I listened, I thought it was brilliant. I honestly thought it was brilliant. I thought Brian spoke really, really well. And then I, he had, I seen him, I then I seen him, I said, come up my Facebook, uh, oh, billionaire. I was, what is this man? Where's this man with a billionaire? And it was your man, John Boyle, owns John's Boyle Sports Bookies. Now, like someone like me, he never shot her. He was like me, he kept talking, he kept talking, but he made so much sense. It was so simple. How he went from being 14, starting to drink, he's 25, having drink issues. Then he, he um, was about to get in the land of 6,000. But I listened to the whole thing. It was so, so good. And his mindset is so simple. So simple. And he's sitting now. He was sitting in California over, over up in the ocean. All these, like, he was explaining this in his office. And he still has accident and all. And the hands changed. And um, it was just all about fitness, all about health, all about the right stuff. He's a, he's a vegan. I, I'm not a vegan, like, but... I've nothing against vegans, so I don't really, I don't, if I, anybody wants to do their own thing, walk away, you know, I just don't, I don't slag vegans, don't slag people that, you know, just let them, that's just the way I am, I used to be one of them clowns that come on and try to be one side, the other side, I'm, I just took the fence and watch. Um, so, his his mindset was so good, so simple, so, um, yeah, that, that, that's, um, that's, that's me, that's, you know, we've been lost here. We've been, we've been like John the other day, and I think John kind of give me the the give me the, uh, the, the, the see. I am not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, to come on something I guess here and talk. You know, uh, and yeah, that's the three businesses, and that's where I'm at today. You know. Well, here's what I want to say, right? So this is true story. When I first started following you a number of years ago, um, I didn't really know much about you, and I didn't know your story. 
And you and you, you said something earlier. You said about how you would train millionaires and you would train people that just get by, right? And and I love that because there's no judgment. And there was I never judge. I only observe, right? And I used to only observe you. And then when I learned your story, I was like, I was like, wow, look where he's come from. And there wasn't oh he did that. It was like wow because here's the thing, right? You know, and we'll sort of move into my final question. But like, look where you've gone. And where you've got to now, like you come from rock bottom, essentially, you know, committing a, a, a crime and offense that, you know, you'll probably never truly forgive yourself for. But yet, despite all of that, and despite the demons and all of that, the, the, the suicidal thoughts, the depression, look at where you are today, three successful businesses. And, you know, uh, as a, an aspiring entrepreneur myself, I look up to people like you and I go, wow i look at your story and it's impressive yes you would go back in time and change it if you could but at the same time we are the authors of our own story and you every day are creating that you're writing that next page you're writing the next chapter so that is why i have the utmost respect for you moving to my last question this ties in nicely speaking to the listeners not to myself what is the one thing that we can do that will have the greatest impact on both our health and happiness Thing that you said there just seconds ago, and I'll correct you. You said that I'd never forgive myself. The only way I could move on in my life is when I had to forgive myself. I was asking a family to forgive me for something that's unforgivable, right? I had to forgive myself. I had a, and this is this isn't me clowning about or anything. I believe in the man upstairs, and the man upstairs is Finbar. And I had, as people think the weird is, is I had a conversation with him one day. Myself, then my, you call it meditating, you call it everyone. And I had a conversation. And obviously I was having a conversation back with myself, in my head. And I had to say, would he forgive me? Would I have forgiven him? And that's the day that things started to change for me. It was never I forgive myself. Now, if you do something wrong, don't expect to be forgiven for it, right? You can't, you can't. Sometimes it's just people don't, people can have a change of heart, right? And that has happened to me, you know, as I say at the start, me and his brother, we would, I would get a text message from him, and I mean they are inspirational text messages. Unbelievable how well he's doing. Um, so, yeah, one thing I'd say if you've done something in life, um, if someone's done something on you that has affected you, um, Forgive yourself, you know, forgive yourself and you'll still make mistakes. You'll still get in the heart, in my thing, I get into heated arguments, I get into, but I just know how to, how to leave, you know. So one thing I would tell people that's watching me today is forgive yourself. For anything out there that hasn't, if a business has, has fell through, if a relationship has fell through, if something has fell through and you're beating yourself up about it, forgive yourself. Because it's the only way to move forwards and move on. Move forward. Um, it will come back at times, and you know, I just I don't I just don't get anxious anymore. Um, you know, um, about it all. I just I just you know I know. Look, I, my inbox is full of it. I'm saving lives. I, I like I've had people me to me suicidal. I've had people that are ready to leave this world, and ninety nine percent of them. I have helped, you know, um, 
and you know even most recently most recently there and unfortunately but it was I had a f- person message me on a Thursday night they want to get back into the gym they want to get training and stuff like that and I replied back to them and uh, unfortunately they died in their sleep about three days later and I haven't really told you about that there like the message is on my phone like, um, they died in their sleep um, it was a heart problem or something like that but they weren't leading a, a really healthy life you know they weren't overweight or something like that they just, I just knew they'd reached out to me and said look and like I, I stood back replied to them it wasn't like um, this price and that price I just said look whatever help you need and um, unfortunately they passed away but like I get that every day people every day ringing me I had a fella there rang me last week who was bed bound um, with bad back um, and asked me, just asked me how to help him. I picked up the phone. I said, here, there's the number, ring me. You know? Um, so this job I'm in now, I know I'm saving lives, you know, and like yourself and your story. Um, you know, Ryan, one of the reasons why I respect you so much is because, and look, I don't know what the statistics are, but the majority of people that leave prison, I would imagine end up back in prison. And yet, you've turned your life around and that's something the majority of people uh, don't do let alone those who have gone through the prison experience so i respect you for that uh well funny enough when you say that now the day i get released um the prison guards actually did look at me and they says quinn and the wink says we'll see you again <laughs> i says boys i can guarantee you now he says i won't be back so that's 17 years ago now this september from it happened it's 13 years from I was released and I've kept my nose clean since, you know. So um, I've used one of the worst experiences in my life when everybody said, you know, nah, he's, he's not going anywhere here, you know. Even when I came out of school, people told me I was going nowhere, you know. But I, I grabbed hold of the thing that I love doing and that's fitness. I always said I want to be a PE teacher. I was never going to get the grades, all right. But personal training come along personal training gym life saved my life and it's saving loads others guys look there is so much we can take away from ryan's story and his journey and i want to thank ryan again for being so open and honest uh, in this podcast interview today i appreciate just how raw and sensitive this information is but one thing and, and this is just my perspective on the whole situation is look you can't go back and change the past but you can damn well control and change the present so that you can have a healthier and happier future tomorrow. So forget the past mistakes, let them go, stop holding on to them. Because only until you do, will you then find healing and uh, peace in the present tense. So Ryan, thank you so much again, my friend. Just before you go, when you say that, this is the last thing. You don't, what do I say? You don't rest, you don't, re- you don't, uh, you don't rent space in the past anymore because you don't live there. You don't rent space in the future because you haven't been there yet. You rent space here right now and that is the present. So guys, live in the present. We'll make mistakes and um, as I say, learn from them. Thank you very much for having me on, Ollie. It's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, what, what you've been going through the last uh, 
been watching about three years now, and I, I absolutely um, thank you from the bottom of my heart for bringing me on here and taking this out of me because you know it. Uh, I've 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 done a lot of things on here now with you um, that I hadn't been able to do anyone else, and thanks very much for taking it out of me in a gentle man like fashion. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Ryan, you, you sign off most of your videos in a unique way, one which I'm not going to try and replicate. Could you just do, for the, for the honour of this podcast, your <laughs> signing off signature? Everybody, keep her alias. <laughs> Guys, until next time, stay healthy, be happy, take care. Guys, thank you so much for listening to that episode on the Health and Happiness Show. I hope you got tremendous value from it. If you did, please leave a review and let me know and be sure to subscribe. Until next time, stay healthy, be happy.